Happy Friday, everyone, and thanks for joining us for the latest installment of the Frary and Smith podcast. Last week, two conference heavyweights remained undefeated. Georgia State proved that it's state, not Southern in 2022. Texas State shocked Darling App State, and Troy placed themselves firmly in championship consideration with a big win over Southern Miss. Week 7 has already featured a Wednesday night showdown between Louisiana and Marshall and will also bring us multiple games that pose challenges for some of the Sun Belt's best teams. Plus, for the first time in 2022, a ranked Sun Belt team will take the field on Saturday when James Madison travels to take on Georgia Southern in Statesboro. Caden, a ranked James Madison team, a ranked Sun Belt team, that sounds really good to say. And it feels special, man. I think with any Sunbelt school, who's anyone who's been on a team that's been ranked in the Sunbelt school, and even just a group of five men, it always feels good. And you just have a different swagger and your fan base has a different energy. And there's just speaks a lot to the culture when you can do things like that. So I'm super excited and happy for Jam. You obviously talked about how they might not necessarily be able to get those bowl aspirations and those championship aspirations, them being their first year in the conference. But I think as a program, you can't be happier with your ranking. And you got to know personally, too, and in-house, the more we win, the more we can keep this going, the more up our rank ranking can go because week after week, some of these teams who are ranked right now are going to start to slide down. So GMU has a really opportunity, really great opportunity to take this and take it as far as they really want to. I think if they can navigate through this Sunbelt schedule, we might see them at the end of the year with an even higher ranking than this 25. I think that's really their floor right now as far as how, go, how big they can go in the college football rankings. Caden, can we sal- salivate a little bit about the concept of Coastal Carolina versus James Madison, the final game of the year on November 26th, both teams undefeated. And if Coastal wins that game, they're going to the Cotton Bowl. How much fun would that be? I mean, that would be that'd be so big for the conference. It'd be so big for both schools, respectively. And I just think that's a dream matchup. We obviously hope that none of these teams and we've shown we've, the teams have already shown this year that they can play some spoilers. So hopefully it's not going to be the easiest path, I think, for either of these teams to navigate. But that would definitely be a super exciting opportunity and a huge stage for the Sunbelt as well. Well, in today's episode, we'll be previewing each of the five remaining Sunbelt games in week seven, including a special emphasis on our game of the week between number five, James Madison and Georgia Southern. We'll also give our reaction to Wednesday night's game between Marshall and Louisiana. Caden, we're almost halfway through the season. You still ready to talk some football? Oh, let's do it, man. We're just getting started. Well, let's talk Marshall and Louisiana. This game, you know, took longer than it should have. Uh, Caden, you know, we'll tell the viewers we were actually planning on recording this episode right after that game. But after the lightning delay, you and I both looked at the clock and said, hey, that's past our bedtime. So we went to bed, you know, as soon as that game ends. But this was a, a an okay game. I mean, I think it was kind of what we expected this game to be. If you go back and listen to our preview, we expected this to be ugly. We expected a lot of black and blue bruises from both teams. Um, you know, we talked a lot about Wooldridge on that episode and him needing to step in with Chandler Fields missing that game. And boy, did he step in and have one of the best games of his career in his first start. Oh, he played big. And I thought Wooldridge was supposed to be the guy that ULL went with from the start, just from watching him in field style of play. Kind of look at ULL's team. It's a lot different than it was in years past when they were playing in championships and winning championships as far as their personnel goes. And I think when you just look at Wooldridge, what he can do with his legs adds another element. He ends his game as their leading rusher and converted some big third downs for them. And he's a very fearless player and I just like the edge he was bringing as well you saw on some of those plays when he was getting pushed to the sideline he was talking some trash to the Marshall sideline he's playing in a raining wet game I think that was a very good proving grounds for him and then you talk about the big plays had two touchdowns that had some really big good throws for the team as well so I think ULL found their guy moving forward and I think they might have 
us also found their formula as far as how they can win and how they can beat teams this year. Yeah, they did all of it in this game without their top running back in Chris Smith, who misses the game with injury. Uh, but a little bit more on Ben Wooldridge. I mean, he throws for a career high 230 yards. You mentioned those two touchdowns. Uh, he helped contribute to 20 points in that second half. I mean, this was, you know, a Louisiana offense that was hearkening back to when they played um, East. Was it Eastern Michigan earlier in the year? Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan earlier on in the year. Um, you know, Wooldridge, the one thing that I liked and that he brings to this offense is his ability for the big plays on passing. I mean, he threw seven balls that he completed for over 15 yards. He's up to 15 of those on the season. Uh, that just provides a little bit of a wrinkle that Louisiana hasn't had this year. Yeah, and he was pretty accurate, especially in the rain. You have to be impressed with some of the stuff he did. I think some of that Marshall does have some concerns, and we'll talk a little bit more about them, but they definitely had some busted coverages and some receivers that got open. But in the elements in the rain, it's not always easy to hit those open targets, and Marshall does, is pretty good up front, so he did have to navigate in the pocket and make some things work. But super accurate pass to the receiver Fleming, Dante Fleming in the end zone for that one, and then found um, Jefferson a couple times. So he has some big targets to work with, and I think if you look at ULL's passing game, it's always been predicated off that run game, but seeing them be able to do that kind of without that, with Woodridge kind of being their run game guy and still being able to make things work in the pass game is really great to see. And I think it's going to be super promising for them going forward in this schedule if they continue to build on this offensive performance. Meanwhile, on the other side for Marshall, I mean, I'm kind of dubbing this a little bit of Henry Columbia's downfall in this game. He did not look good in this contest. He has, you know, been a game manager all season long. He, he doesn't bring that flair, his job really in that offense complete short passes, hand the ball off to Kalen Laborn, but he wasn't able to do a lot of that in this contest. They end up turning to Cam Fancher down the stretch. And Caden, I have to question what's next for Marshall at the quarterback position. And really just as an offense, you have to look at what they're doing right now. And if they're going to keep playing defenses that are as good as ULL up front, I don't know if them running Laborn into the ground is going to be sustainable. But I don't know if they have any other options right now. If you look at what Columbia was doing, they tried to give him some easy access throws in the beginning, some bubble screens, let his receivers work after the pass or after the catch. But then when he had to make his deep shots, when he had to make those, those simple throws, even just a, a simple 10-yard curl for a first down, he threw into the dirt. He's not getting protected very well. He's the most sacked quarterback in the conference, which is also just another issue. And I think he's not very comfortable back there because of that. But the only, the first, I'm not going to count the last drive. He wasn't even in on that drive when they converted and just got a couple points there at the end. But the only drive they got a touchdown is when was when he finally completed a deep 40-yard pass across the middle and got things going for their offense. So that's what happens when they can throw the ball. But I just think they're handcuffed right now with him and they're handcuffed with the offensive line. So you might have to go to Fancher just because he's more of a running quarterback. And kind of like we talked about with ULL, he might fit the style of play that might be better for this Marshall offense going forward. I think another big takeaway from this game is I was very impressed with Louisiana's front seven. Again, they held a very good Marshall rushing attack to 139 yards. Um, Kalen Laborn picked up 120 yards. He's now second in the NCAA, trailing only Chase Brown at Illinois, who's got 28 yards more than him. Um, but overall, Louisiana's front seven did a really nice job in this contest. Oh, yeah. And they got in the backfield. I mean, they got five sacks on Columbia as well. And I think if you look at Laybourne's stat line, I was kind of surprised after the game. I mean, during the game, he didn't really do too much. His longest run was 12 yards. So, I mean, if you get a running back 26 carries, you, you're going to eventually get some runs to pop. But ULL kind of... Im- um, limited those explosive plays, kept him kind of manageable. He didn't really hurt them, as you can tell from the scoreboard. So if you're ULL, you have to feel good about this one. You also get a turnover. Columbia threw a deep ball, and um, our guy Bradley and Tran got an interception in that one. So I think ULL stock is going back up. I think, obviously, it's going to be versus them in South Alabama and Troy on this side of the conference. But if you're ULL right now, like I said, I think they found their formula to win. And I think now they got to just control what they can, they can control. They can't really 
afford to lose in this point. I think they have to rely on some other teams losing for things to shake the way they want to. But you have to feel good about your defense and offense after this one. Hey, those words are music to my ears. ULL stock going up a little bit here after I picked them to win the West this year. You know, you talked about that Marshall defense and and it was a bad night. Uh, Ben Wooldridge, you know, able to kind of, you know, pick up some big gashing plays. Uh, This is a Marshall defense that has been really good at forcing turnovers this year, but in this game, they don't force a turnover. The last time that they failed to force a turnover was against Bowling Green. We remember how that game went. Um, They're really good secondary on this Marshall team, but there's a lot of question marks on that defense right now. Yeah, and it's funny. The secondary is kind of one of Marshall's strong suits if you look at their defense, but it was their weakness in this game. I think they had some busted coverages on the back end. You just Some of the ways receivers were open so deep, especially on some of those two- and three-man route concepts that ULL runs, it was definitely concerning. They got 230 yards in the air given up on them to a team that's really not had the passing game be their calling card. So if you're Marshall's defense, you definitely have to worry. Obviously, your offense isn't helping you out too much in this situation. But I think if you look at Marshall... We talked about the panic meter for ULL. Marshall's panic meter is about to go up, I think. After watching that game, it wasn't a very promising performance. And you look at the rest of their schedule the next couple weeks, have to go to JMU. We know what they're bringing on both sides of the ball. Have a game hosting Coastal. We know what they have going on both sides of the ball. So I think for them, they're really going to have to clean some stuff up because they are going to play some of the stiffest competition in the Sun Belt these next couple weeks. And the way they're playing, it just doesn't look promising. They need to get that team from Notre Dame back in some of that magic. Last thing for me on this game, and it was the fact that I really like Michael Jefferson, the receiver for Louisiana, and Caden, I have to imagine that he had a big smile on his face. He's probably the biggest beneficiary of Louisiana finally settling on a quarterback. Yeah, and I think if you look at the ULL receiving rooms um, historically, they always have some big targets, and they always run the ball a little bit more, so their big targets might not get as much love as far as notoriety across the conference and some of the all-conference awards at the end of the year. But you have Michael Jefferson. He's a 6'4", 205-pound body. There's not many players in the secondary in the Sun Belt that are going to be able to keep up with that guy as far as size goes. So I think if you are ULL going forward, maybe try to get a little connection between him and Woolrich, find some good matchups like you did in this last game and really work with that because your run game hasn't really been there for you, especially if that Smith injury keeps lingering on. Well, that was the first of three games on national television this weekend for the Sun Belt. South Alabama will take on ULM on NFL Network. We'll get to that game in a few moments, as well as Coastal versus Old Dominion on ESPNU. So a lot of exposure for this weekend. But, Caden, our game of the week, it's Georgia Southern versus number 25, James Madison. It takes place at 4 p.m. on Saturday on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, this is going to be the first meeting between these programs in over 30 years. This is a, a series that started back in the 1980s when both programs were in you know, the FCS. Georgia Southern has actually never lost uh, to JMU in Statesboro. They're 4-0. They're 7-1 all time. Um, but this is a James Madison team that's looking really strong to begin the year, and they're trying to become the first transitioning school ever to start 6-0. and uh, This game has a lot of great storylines. A hundred percent. I mean, obviously, JMU coming into to this one rank, they're going to be hopping off of that bus with a different swagger, feeling feeling some type of way about this one. But I think you look at this and it's kind of a, a perfect trap game. I think that's my story right here. I think Georgia Southern is one of the toughest places to play in the Sun Belt. I can speak firsthand on that one for sure. So I think if you step into this one, Georgia Southern has played spoiler before. I'll never forget in 2019 when App State had a home game hosting Georgia Southern. First time we'd been ranked in quite a bit and we lost to them. And I think This is just the perfect makings of that trap game, I think, especially if you look at what Georgia Southern did last week and kind of trying to bounce back from that and JMU trying to prove that that 
ranking should hold true. It should belong to what they have going on right now. So this is a super exciting matchup. Obviously, two very exciting quarterbacks as well. So I'm super excited to watch this one. Yeah, I mean, we've seen, and you maybe can call it the hangover effect. We've seen what's happened with App State this year. We've seen what's happened with Marshall after big wins or, you know, getting a lot of attention. So it'll be definitely interesting to see how James Madison comes out. I think if they come out and they look really good, we might be talking about a James, an undefeated James Madison team by the end of the year if they can handle this test. Um, you know, Caden, my next question here is, is it too early yet to crown Todd Santeo the Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Year? I mean, this dude keeps getting better. 394 yards last week, four touchdowns, 66% completion rate on the season, 15 touchdowns and interception. I'm out of breath just talking about his play this year. I don't think it's too soon. I mean, this guy is taking the league by storm. I think every team, if you really think about who's going to be up for those awards at the end of the year you have to look at week after week if you're a team if you're an offense or a defense which one player is just consistently at the top of your scouting report and it has to be this guy every single week I think every single defense who faces this guy is number one who do we need to stop what's our biggest concern it's the arms and legs of this guy and especially after last week when he had a very underwhelming performance on the ground and showed that he could just do it in the pocket put up four touchdowns just throwing the ball he's most the dynamic he's definitely the most dynamic player we have right now in the conference and if you're JMU got to just keep getting on his back riding on his shoulders and and seeing how far he could take you right now because he's taking this offense I think to even new heights than they had at the FCS level and they're doing it against FBS competition like it's nothing so definitely not too early to be saying that I feel okay and I need you to put on your defensive coordinator hat here for a second you're lining up against James Madison in this offense that's been elite this season is there a way to slow down this JMU offense or as a defensive coordinator, do you just chuck up your hands and look at Brian Ellis on the Georgia Southern sideline and say, you're just going to have to score a bunch of points in this game? It's funny because in my notes, I, I, I don't ever have the words like this is how you stop JMU. It's all about how do you slow down JMU? Because it's very clear, unless you watch the first half of the App State game, which is the only time this year they've shown any type of vulnerability for just a couple, two quarters of football. It's the only time they haven't looked themselves. So maybe you just take a couple pages out of that book, see what you can do with that. But I think you have to make it as hard as you can on this guy. Like we've said before, you have to make other guys beat you. And obviously, Chris Thornton is a weapon that he has. And you have Percy Ajayo. Obese coming off of his best game last week. So there's other weapons that JM you can lean on, but you would rather those guys beat you than Todd. So I think if you're a defensive coordinator going against Todd Santeo on this one, obviously in those long distance passing situations, you have to have somebody spying him, making sure he doesn't get out of the pocket and extending plays. And then on any other scenario where he's throwing the ball, have to do your best to just give them as many different looks as possible. Have to switch up man zone coverages, maybe pull and roll coverages in different directions and give your defense some opportunities to maybe get some interceptions and on top of that, get some pressure on him. Because when this guy doesn't have pressure, he doesn't turn the ball over. He's not going to throw very many interceptions. So you just have to do the best you can. And it's kind of tough to ask for some defenses because a lot of these Sunbelt teams come into the defensive game plan week after week, only running a couple coverages. But the more you can throw out this guy, the better it's going to be. Man, when I give you the chance to nerd out about football, you hardly ever disappoint right there. And, you know, I think that's, you know, some of the value that obviously you bring to this podcast is just that knowledge of the game, because I'm hearing terminology in there that even I don't know. And I call football. So, um, you know, I think the funny thing is when you look at this game, uh, you know, if there's one knock that you could give James Madison so far this year, it's who have they really played? I mean, yes, they beat you know, an app state team that I still think is pretty good. But I mean, at the end of the day, who have they really played? And I have to imagine that this offense that Georgia Southern boasts, they're, you know, averaging nearly 500 yards per game, 322 yards through the air, another 170 yards on the ground. This is probably the toughest test that JMU's defense has had all season long. 
Yeah, and I think speaking on that, them being ranked, and I think that you kind of have to wonder if you're Coastal Carolina, who's undefeated right now, how do you feel about JMU being ranked versus you if you talk about strength of schedule? But that's another podcast for another time. But I think, yeah, JMU, you could knock them for the way they've performed in the, um, not the way they've performed, sorry, but from some of the teams they've played in the competition. But you have to look at the way they've performed against some of these competition. And they've been so consistently putting up points and having strong defensive performance. We've been talking, even before the App State game, is, oh, what are the odds JMU slows down this rushing attack, slowed them down. So I think, obviously, that's just kind of the nature of the season we have right now. I think we don't really know what any of the teams JMU have played are going to look like going forward. I mean, they beat a Middle Tennessee team that we were thinking, oh, that's not a big win. But then next thing you know, that team's beating Miami. So we're still in that phase of the game where we're finding out which team is what and how much weight to carry with these teams. But I definitely agree with you in the sense that JMU is going to have their toughest test in this one. I think if you look at just what App State was bringing to the table versus what Georgia Southern is bringing, the offense at times for Georgia Southern, I think, can keep up with the pace of this JMU team from what we've seen in the past, which might end up being their best defense in this game. But I think if you're talking defenses, I think JMU's defense is just tough to even have a conversation about with some of these other defenses in the conference when you look at what they've done this year. Okay, and the answer to your question about Coastal Carolina is don't play Gardner-Webb so tight and then don't allow ULM to get within seven points. And if neither of those things had happened, Coastal Carolina would be ranked right now. So I think, you know, they needed to take care of business. They got the wins, but none of those, there's a couple of those wins that just aren't pretty wins. But I think at the end of the year, I think the Sun Belt has a chance at having two two ranked teams uh, if things play out the way. Um, you know, really last in this is, you know, Kyle Van Trees. I'm, I'm just questioning if he's hit a wall a little bit. Uh, through a career-high four interceptions last week. He's up to 11 now on the season, by far and away the leader in that category in the Sun Belt. We've talked about how much he likes to throw the ball around, um, but I'm starting to wonder if some of that early season magic for Kyle Van Trees has worn off, or do you think there's still a lot left in the tank? I think there's still a lot left in the tank for him. I think, obviously, the turnovers in last game, the last game were a huge issue. He had four interceptions. That's really what limited this team from performing well against Georgia State, and they were still in that game towards the end. I think... Look for him to get in a rhythm early. Don't think the defense is really going to be able to slow down JMU, but I think if um, if Georgia Southern can come in this one and kind of push the pace a little bit on offense and be a little bit more efficient, use your crowd, use some of that momentum built and try to feed off of that and make JMU as, as comfortable as you can from all angles of this game, whether it's offense putting pressure on them, converting those third, third downs like we're used to seeing them do on the defensive side, making things as uncomfortable as you can for Todd. I think J. Georgia Southern has proven they can stay in just in games with just about anybody, no matter how down they are, up they are. They're a team that can put up points in a hurry no matter what. So I think if you look at Vantrese to just take care of the ball a little bit better in this one, I think they're going to be a lot better off than they were last week against a Georgia State team who I think, if you even just compare offenses to JMU, it's not even close. So I think they got to look to take care of the ball better and they have to look to just play better on the defensive side of the ball as well. Yeah, I mean, last thing on this matchup, this is a Georgia Southern O-line that is about to get tested, Caden. They've given up just two sacks all season long, but they're about to face James Madison, who has 18 sacks on the year, third in the nation in TFLs over almost 10 per game. So uh, I don't think it's going to be a comfortable day back there for Kyle Vantrese. I think he's going to have to do a lot more moving than maybe he's had to over the last couple of games. Yeah, man, it's definitely going to be the biggest test, I think, really across the board if you look at it for Georgia Southern. My biggest concern is really their defense. I think their defense is coming off that game where they gave up 41 points and 500 yards to a Georgia State team that's kind of more of an outlier to them as far as that goes. But JMU does that in their sleep. They're way more accustomed to doing that. And I think a lot of, like I was talking about before, the reason to that was because Georgia State got the ball handed back to them so many times with those turnovers. So if Georgia Southern plays their cleanest brand of football in this one and comes up, steps up to the occasion as far as all those individual matchups that are going to be the hardest 
hardest ones they've seen all season. I think they're going to be able to hang in this one. I think they will have a shot. So I'm excited to watch it and just hope that Georgia Southern plays kind of a similar game to they played in Nebraska, but just a more complete game to where they're firing on more cylinders on offense. Their defense is holding up and stop getting stops when it matters the most. I think that's when you can see a good game in this one versus those typical JMU blowouts we're accustomed to seeing. Hey, let's hope it happens. I would love to see a great game on Saturday afternoon between that game and kind of pay off our game of the week billing. Uh, let's move on. Coastal Carolina versus Old Dominion. This game's at noon, high noon in Conway. It's going to be on national television on ESPNU. Great exposure again for Coastal Carolina. Uh, the shots are bowl eligible for the third year in a row. They've started 6-0 and the last three seasons. Uh, they currently hold the nation's second longest winning streak. I did want to give a nice plug to the state of South Carolina. The two longest winning streaks in the nation actually reside in this state. You've got Coastal Carolina at 9, Clemson at 12. Um, I thought this was interesting, Caden, too. The last time these two teams met was all the way back in 2012 in the FCS playoffs. And at that time, kind of cult hero Taylor Heineke uh, was the quarterback for Old Dominion in that game, threw for 497 yards and six touchdowns in the win. Shout out to Taylor Heineke. He's actually a guy from Gwinnett County, Georgia, same area as me. Um, great quarterback from Collins Hill in high school. Someone I used to watch when I was a little bit younger and he was older. And one of those guys you look up to is like, oh, OK, this guy, this is one of those players that you can strive to be. And he obviously had that great story in that run with the Redskins. But I think out of these quarterbacks we're talking about right now, we'd see more of a Heineke performance out of Grayson McCall on the coastal side. I mean, we've talked about how efficient and great he's been this week, but coming off kind of a slump. In that second half of the last ULM game, they were held scoreless in the second half. Their offense really didn't get going. So I'm looking for Coastal on this one to try to come out swinging and try to do some good things against this ODU defense because they were looking pretty stagnant in their last game. And then when you look at ODU, they're coming off of a bye week, and I think that's a huge plus for them, especially with a team like ODU. Bye weeks benefit benefit teams a lot that have individual players that have those big workloads you look at Zach Kuntz he got hurt in the last game hopefully he can come back maybe healthy in this one we're not really sure about his injury status but you have Ollie Jennings who's number two in the nation right now in receiving yards there's a lot on his plate so he got some rest and then you know Jason Henderson's body's hurt and leading the nation in tackles right now so those guys will be rested and ready to go so I think this is going to be a good matchup and a lot of it is going to matter about how they start because Coastal has some stuff to prove as far as they start and ODU should feel fresh and ready to go for this one as far as how they can start this game as well. I did peep at the depth chart today for Old Dominion, and Zach Kuntz is back at the top of the tight end slot there. Uh, you know, you mentioned his injury. He went out 82 seconds into that game against Liberty, kind of an apparent right knee injury. But uh, if you believe the depth chart, then he has a chance to play. But uh, ODU doesn't tend to comment a lot on injuries. So, you know, we'll see kind of a game time decision, I'm sure. Um, you know, you talk about this Coastal Carolina team. We mentioned third time in a row, they're bowl eligible. They've played in the Cure Bowl the last two seasons. Uh, but Caden, this year, the shots have to be thinking about a potential uh, group of five bid in a New Year's Six Bowl game and a potential bid into the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, not look to, to look too far to that JMU matchup like we were talking about. But even just to talk more about what you were saying earlier about the way they've been winning these games, you obviously look at their scores and it's not the most impressive. You would obviously like to see them win a little bit better, a little bit more of a margin in some of these games. But they're doing the most important thing, like I've been saying all year, and is winning games. And I think there is something to that and having the trait of, hey, no matter what happens in the beginning of this game, having a team who thinks at the end of it, they're always going to have a shot to win and are going to believe in themselves to win. So it is a little bit scary, I think, that this team could get better in a lot of ways despite them being undefeated. And I think that would definitely set them up and prime them for a Cotton Bowl appearance for sure. I want to ask you something from a player perspective for this game. This is homecoming for Coastal Carolina. And, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of distractions that come with playing in a homecoming game. Coastal's 12 and 7 all time on, you know, homecoming, but just 2 and 3 since joining the FBS. 
Jamie Chadwell got asked about it earlier this week and said that he's mentioned it. There's going to be a sold-out Brooks Stadium. I'm just curious, does it ramp up the pressure a little bit, or is it does it make it more challenging to play on a homecoming weekend? I think if you're a, a team that's coming from a good pedigree and has that good culture and a winning culture, I think homecoming can only help you. I think you're having a bigger crowd, you're having more people come into the stadium, and you're putting more pressure on yourself. And if you're a team that's performed well under pressure before, I think it can only help Coastal on this one. I think homecoming is more of an issue and a distraction for teams who might not have as many distractions or have as big of a crowd as normal and has a little bit more pressure on them to perform in a homecoming game versus a team where now Coastal is probably going to have some other players on the sideline from before giving some dap up saying what's up to those guys and having a lot of familiar faces in town I think that's only going to help Coastal those guys play well at the beach they play well on that teal turf and I think the stakes are only going to be raised up a little bit in this one I think it's going to really bring the best out of a team that's as good as Coastal and from that pedigree they've had in the last couple years you mentioned Ollie Jennings uh, the third, the wide receiver for Old Dominion, and he's having just an outstanding season. Caden, when I look at the stats of this game, this screams we might see an elite-level performance from Ollie Jennings. This Coastal team giving up 277 yards per game through the air, which is actually the worst in the Sun Belt. Uh, I think Ollie Jennings has a really good shot at having a big game in this one. Yeah, and I think if you're looking at it from a Coastal's defense perspective, you have the you have the corners and you have the secondary. You have DeJordan Strong, you have Boykin back there who have shown that they're some of the top corners in this league. So I think you have to take on that challenge head on with Ali Jennings. You might even be able to roll your coverage towards him just because ODU's running game is so lackluster. So I think that's going to be the most important matchup in this game. I think if Coastal stops Ali Jennings and limits some of those big plays, I don't think there's a chance ODU's offense can really get things going. And I think vice versa, if ODU is in this game in the fourth quarter, we're looking at it and it's a close game again that Coastal's playing in, I think you're going to see a pretty big stat line from Ali Jennings. So I'm really looking forward to watching one of the Sunbelt's best receivers play against one of the better defensive units we have on the back end as far as the secondary goes in Coastal. Yeah, you know, I was interested and I didn't I didn't realize this until I was doing some research for this podcast. But, uh, you know, defensive back Lance Boykins for Coastal Carolina actually started his career at Old Dominion, played there in 2018 and 2019. So I thought that was interesting, a little nugget there that I dug up. Um, you mentioned that Coastal defense, they call it the Black Swarm. They put in putting so much pressure on opposing quarterbacks, forced a couple of fumbles last week, 16 sacks on the season, eight INTs, uh, you know, 41 TFLs. Uh, they're going to cause a lot of problems if Old Dominion can't establish some semblance of a running game in this contest. Yeah, and before their last game at ULM, I really challenged that defensive unit to kind of have one of those signature performances. They haven't really stopped teams from scoring about 20 points a game. No matter who it is, they're going to spot you some points a little bit. But towards the second half, you saw they gave up that big touchdown on the first drive of the second half in their last matchup against ULM. But then going forward, they put a straight-up shutout out. So it was great to see them do that. Hopefully for them, they can build on that. And moving forward, same way, it's kind of be more of like a, an offensive-defensive thing. Can Coastal's defense keep building on their strong defensive performance in the second half of the last game? And can their offense turn things around from their weak second-half performance and go forward and do some big things in this game? So I'm excited to watch the duality of both sides of the ball for Coastal and what they can do coming off their game against ULM. Caden, this stat that I'm going to give you before we move on proves that Kevin Davis, the sports information director at Coastal Carolina, a friend of the pod, um, has way too much time on his hands. And he went back and looked at uh, all of the games that Coastal's played on national television since 2020. Um, and Coastal Carolina in nationally televised games is 15-2. and two. Uh, Their only losses coming against number 23 Liberty in the Cure Bowl. And I'm going to give you a shot here to guess the other one. Got to be them boys from Boone. It was them boys from Boone. <laughs> October 21st, 2021. That game was in Boone, a, a big game. Um, but yeah, that was the only other game that Coastal's lost on national television. So we always love to throw in those little nuggets, allow you to 
you know, kind of gloat about your playing career as much as possible. Well, yeah, there's not as much to gloat about as far as being an App State fan right now. So I really appreciate that, Noah. <laughs> well, let's move on. Our next game, and Caden, I know that you and I Speaking are really <laughs> interested to see how this game goes. Uh, you know, App isn't playing this weekend, but App played uh, Texas State last weekend and. I know you want to move on from that very quickly, but Texas State's playing Troy at Troy. Uh, this game's at 3.30 on ESPN3, and Troy is looking for their first three-game winning streak since 2018. Uh, they're actually 11-1 all-time versus Texas State, including 7-0 at Veterans Memorial. Caden, uh, this, this made me laugh when I read this in the game notes today. Texas State actually has a chance to move into first place in the Sun Belt West if they can pick up a win and South Alabama loses. If you had told okay. me they had a chance at doing that before this year, I would have been shocked. But, um, you know, the biggest storyline in this game feels like, you know, you and I, I think we, and maybe fans in general, we crave quarterback battles, quarterback controversy. And Troy has that, you know, on lock right now in the Sun Belt. Gunnar Watson gets hurt against Western Kentucky. Jared Dagey comes in, plays well. And then Dagey starts last week with Watson being healthy. You know, the reasoning was that it was precautionary to keep Watson out. John Summerall's been kind of coy all week. Um, you know, they're actually both marked as the starter on the depth chart. We have a, a real old-fashioned quarterback battle going on down in Troy right now. Yeah, and another week, another quarterback question mark for this position and this team. And I, I saw that same depth chart you saw, and it had that two-letter word that's always concerning when you got quarterbacks playing in a game, O-R, or it said Jarrett Dagey or Gunnar Watson. So I think it's going to be interesting to see who plays in this one. I know Dagey didn't play super good in the last game, but I still think it might be worth rocking with him for this one. He has the hotter hand, and I think you could still ride some of that momentum of the second half of the Western Kentucky game. But they kind of low-key run the ball better with him. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. He's obviously not the most mobile quarterback, but I think if you're Troy, you have your defense playing lights out. I mean, you looked at what they did last week, holding Southern Miss to just 10 points, 48 rushing yards, four turnovers. Like, they're playing so lights out right now. They have room to kind of play with their quarterback position right now. And I don't. I, I think when you look at Jarrett Diggy, it's kind of a why not situation. Your quarterback's playing so well, and it's or your defense is playing so well, sorry. And that's really what's winning you games right now. So if you have the opportunity to put a quarterback in with a little bit higher of a ceiling, might have to take a little bit of time to navigate to see him get to that ceiling. I feel like, why not do it? They have the opportunity to play with some of that a little bit. So I don't know who's going to start in this game, but I think at the end of the day, their defense is carrying them so much that it really probably doesn't matter as much as we're talking about it right now. But still interesting to see and i'm very excited and interested to see who starts for this one okay i don't know if our listeners have picked up on this yet but whenever the word defense goes into your mouth you start talking a little bit faster you just get excited <laughs> i see that glimmer in your eye i know the people listening don't get to see that but it's fun to see and you know this is a troy defense that's been elite over the last couple of weeks they're giving up just 189 and a half yards per game in their two sunbelt games this year they give up 210 to southern miss just 174 and that win over marshall I mean, this is a Troy defense. I don't think that we thought that they were going to be one of the best defenses in the league, but uh, they are showing out right now. No, they're carrying this team right now, and I think they're trending towards the top. You have to like out of all these teams – just based off the beginning of the year versus now where they're trending, how they've been able to adapt against different teams, whether they've had to stop the run more, stop the pass more. They really have it all. And they're obviously leaning on Carlton Marshall, getting everybody lined up, getting everybody set, checked and ready to go. And then him playing sideline to sideline and messing that helmet up week after week per usual. So Troy's defense is definitely, like you said before, I get a little bit excited talking about them because I think they're my favorite group right now. But look at this Texas State defense, the first half of their last game had a little bit of a shutout against App State. Obviously legit. still has that. They have that secondary that's playing well so far. Obviously, the secondary in the second half, App State was playing catch-up, so they got a little bit exposed because they, that was just a different brand of football. But I do kind of like 
how Texas State's secondary and the kind of the momentum they have in this game, how that matches up against Troy's offense, at least. Troy's defense is a whole other topic, but I think if you look at a Troy team who likes to throw the ball, Texas State showed some workings and some personnel issues that they can give them as far as the secondary goes. I think you also saw that 90-yard interception for a touchdown they had against App State. That was big for them. So I'm looking for the secondary to play well against these receivers of Troy, maybe make things a little bit harder for them. Yeah, it's interesting. Troy, actually, when you look at the yards per game given up category, Troy is actually the fifth best defense in the league. Texas State is actually sixth. And, you know, Caden, you mentioned it last week when we talked about that App State game and, you know, Chase Bryce's numbers. So many of those yards that were given up was kind of in mop-up time. And if that hadn't happened, uh, Texas State actually technically, based on stats, has a better defense uh, than Troy this season. Um, You know, Caden, I have to ask you this. Are you buying Texas State? I mean, they're off to their best start since 2014. I mean, there were fans in San Marcos that wanted Jake Spavital fired after that, you know, first week loss to Nevada. But suddenly Texas State's playing some good football. No, I don't. I think it's a little bit too early to buy that stock. Obviously, a great win for them. And they I really wish we talked about a little bit before this podcast. I really wish this game was in San Marcos again because they they were beating off the crowd. They were amped up in that one. And I think the biggest thing for Texas State is that they proved to everybody and more importantly, themselves, that if they play their best brand of football, they take care of the football. They limit their turnovers and they take advantage of good field position and other mistakes from other team. They can beat just about anyone in this conference. So I think if you see Texas State put their best foot forward in this game, play a mistake-free game of football and play as hard as they can, they can make some things happen. So I'm excited for them and I hope they can keep trending upwards because I think this conference will be better. The better Texas State is, that'd be huge. But I think it's a little bit too early to be buying the stock. I got to see a couple more games and a couple more Sunbelt competition come their way. Here's the million-dollar question. They've got Troy this weekend. Then they've got Southern Miss, who I know you and me are, you know, the viewers know how we feel about Southern Miss. Uh, then they've got ULM, and then they've got South Alabama on the road, Arkansas State at home, Louisiana at home to end the year. Does Texas State have a chance to be bowl eligible this season? 100%, especially the way they played at home. I think if you look at who they played at home and who they have coming home, ULL, the ULM game looking frisky. I like them against Arkansas State. Maybe how it's looking. I think it's gonna. Have to, I think we're gonna have to see. I think if they put those black uniforms on and they play with that confidence, they play with against App State, they can compete about just compete with just about anyone in the league. But my my million dollar question for you though is, would you believe me if I told you that Texas State quarterback Lane Hatcher has thrown just as many touchdown passes as Kyle Van Trees this season? No. Well, the answer is true. They both have. They both have 13 touchdowns right now. Lane Hatcher's been playing some really good ball the past couple weeks, has less turnovers after that performance Kyle Van Trees had last week too. So I think if you can lean on him a little bit as an offense, he played well against App State, especially in the first half. They haven't had a really solid quarterback play in a while, and I'm not going to say that's what's been holding them back the last couple of years because they've had a lot of problems to fix, but they're fixing their effort. They're fixing who they can rally around as an offense, and their defense is looking pretty good. So I think if you're a Texas State fan right now, it's a little bit too early to be buying that stock, and you want to have those bowl aspirations, and it'd be nice for them to have those goals so I think you got to just keep playing as hard as you can put your head down and see what happens when you keep playing as good as you can as a team run defense will be critical in this game Texas State on the year three and oh when they hold opponents under 100 yards uh Troy after not rushing for 100 yards in either of their first three games they've done it in their last three so watch out for that battle in this one Caden here's one stat to give you before we move on Texas State they played in six games this year they've either won or lost by more than 10 points in all six. All three of Texas State's wins have been by double digits. Are you prepared to, you know, see Texas State, you know, win this game by 10 points? Or is that just a lot to ask? <laughs> we'll get to our picks later. But I think 
it's all going to come down to I'm, uh, you, we, we, we get, we're having a great time talking about Texas State, obviously, but that Troy defense, man, like, like we've been talking about, I, it's hard to see many teams be successful. Obviously, if Texas State plays as well as they did against App State offensively, they can hang in this one, but that Troy defense is just looking like a different animal right now, so we'll see how they match up with them. Next game up on the docket on this podcast, South Alabama versus ULM. This game will be on national television, NFL Network at 7 p.m., uh, you know, we think back to last year and South Alabama actually went on the road to Monroe and lost 41 to 31. That cost South Alabama bowl eligibility towards the end of the year. Um, you know, South Alabama plays Louisiana two weeks ago. They had the bye, And, you know, I think the biggest thing for me in this game, South Alabama's got to find a way to get the running game going again. Um, for the first time, I think all season, South Alabama looked beatable, and part of that formula was holding them to a season low 116 yards on the ground for that Louisiana defense. Yeah, my guys, South Alabama, my boys in the West, I love them coming off of a bye week. I can still hear wisps in the wind and hear about them talking after that ULL win. I think that's one of their biggest wins in recent program history, and I know the tides have, I feel like that's just the, the tides are changing there. Ken Womack, after the game, said it himself. They have that target on them now. They went from being the hunters to being the hunted. And I think they're going to walk into this one off of the bye week with a different swagger and a different energy. And I'm really looking forward to seeing them getting after ULM in this game. I think coming off of their last game, they have to just still feel so good and ride some of that energy. But I think as the bye week went on and it gets closer and closer to kickoff, they're probably excited to go back out there and prove that they're the team that they've been looking like so far as far as their record goes. So I'm super excited for South Alabama for this one, if you can't tell. Are you nervous at all about Carter Bradley? Threw for just 245 yards, season low 44% completion rate, and didn't have a touchdown for the first time all season. Any concern? I'm not worried. ULL played a hell of a game in that one, but I think you do look at this Monroe team. We were just talking about those struggles that Coastal had as an offense in the second half. They shut out Grayson McCall in one of the most efficient offensive units for an entire half. I could, You could argue that that's one of really the most impressive things that any defense has done this entire year in the conference. I mean, we've watched in person how efficient and hard to stop that offense is, and they had three three and outs in the second half, which is an absolute killer for both sides of the ball. If you're a defense and you sit down and you think you're about to get a break, and next thing you know, you're back up because you're Offense just went three and out. It's huge. So I think if ULM can ride some of that momentum from their last second half game as far as the defense go, they might be able to give Carter Bradley some problems. But I think a lot of those issues as far as Carter Bradley and that offense in the ULL game was just about them playing in a big game and not being able to settle in. They had some drop passes, some miscues here and there. I look for them to be a little bit sharper in this one and more, more ready to go. Okay, now I have it in my notes here that if ULM could bottle up their defense from the second half and be able to pour that out in any game at any time, this would be a really good ULM team. They gave up just 110 yards in that second half uh, to, you know, again, we think one of the teams that is the best team in the Sun Belt in Coastal Carolina. Uh, that defense looked really good. You mentioned that a moment ago. Uh, the other thing that looked really good was the performance of quarterback Chandler Rogers. He had one of the best games of his career, threw for 279 yards, 90% completion, 27 for 30 at two touchdowns. Caden, here's where it gets really interesting. Do you know what game Chandler Rogers had his most career passing yards in? I do not. I'll give you a I'll give you a hint. It happens to be against the opponent that they're playing in that 41 to 31 game last year. 
He threw for over 420 yards against South Alabama last season. Oh, so he's he might be he has the makings of of a of a dare we say a South Alabama killer. I think he's been playing his best ball for sure. He's had two touchdowns and no interceptions in the past two games. Really efficient and a really an effective runner as well when you look at the short down and distance in the red zone game. So if you're a ULM, you definitely like to see him playing his best ball right now. But if we're talking about quarterbacks in this game, I'm just afraid he doesn't have as many dynamic weapons in the backfield and out wide that Carter Bradley has in this one. So that might hold him back a little bit. But you have to love that he's not turning the ball over and playing some of his best football right now so he's playing winning football for them honestly just despite what the quarter what the scoreboard says but I think if you're ULM right now you have to lean on him in this one especially I did just quick fact check myself it was 369 yards not 420 but he also that was a career high also had a career high four touchdowns in that game uh you know last thing on this matchup and you know Caden I had someone you know tweet at me earlier this week and you know I kind of made the comment that to me there's probably three teams that we really think have a chance at winning the Sun Belt title honorable mention to James Madison but South Alabama is one of those Troy is one of those and I think Coastal Carolina is one of those teams uh, the one reason that a lot of those teams are there is because they can win football games so many different ways I think South Alabama's offense could have a horrible day in this one and if that defense remains as stout as they've been that's going to put South Alabama in every single one of these games. No, they're definitely looking like one of the more well-rounded teams in the Sun Belt. We've been talking about it. Some of these other teams that are have a little bit worse records than some of those top teams, they're finding ways to win right now. They're finding which parts of their offense and defense they can lean on. But if you look at South Alabama, they've proven they can do it in any way. If they need Carter Bradley to go out there and throw for 200-plus yards and hit Lacey and hit Jalen Wayne on those plays, they can do that. They can lean on LaDamian Webb. They can lean on their defense, and they can lean on their kicker. I think they also have the best kicker and the best big game kicker right now that we've seen in the Sunbelt Conference right now. So they're just looking at it top to bottom. If you look at defense, offense, and special teams, they're looking like a weapon right now. And I think they've been kind of sitting back in their bye week. They're watching Troy get some of their hype. They're watching some of these other teams, JMU, get ranked. And they're like, okay, we're just going to sit here a little bit, chill in our bye week, and then come out swinging. So I'm excited to watch them play in this one and think they can prove it in this one as well, that they're one of those names that we should need to still be talking about despite us not being able to talk about them last week in the conference. Well, this last game that we're going to preview, Caden, I really wanted to make our game of the week, but I just couldn't do it. (laughs) And that's Southern Miss versus Arkansas State. And uh, Southern Miss fans who think that I don't like the program, make sure you stick around to the end of this podcast. I think you might like my pick on this, but I'm not going to fully give it away. Um, But these two programs, they're separated by just 364 miles. Uh, This is actually, I thought this was interesting. It will be the first time these programs have met since 2008. Uh, Southern Miss playing their first home Sun Belt game. Uh, Arkansas State is at one and two in conference play right now, tied with ULM in Louisiana. Uh, Caden, a lot of fun storylines in this one. And to me, this is, you know, a game that I think Southern Miss has a legitimate chance to win and look really good. Um, You know, I think we've said it on the podcast, so I'm going to say it again. I personally don't think Southern Miss is a legitimate contender in the West, but these are games that Southern Miss needs to win. Uh, They still very much... When you look at Southern Miss's schedule the rest of the way, Caden, if they take care of business here, they've got Texas State upcoming, Louisiana, ULM, Georgia State. These are all teams that are still on their schedule. There is a very good chance here that Southern Miss is a bowl team this year. No, they definitely have their most their best stretch as far as recent winnable games coming up here quickly. And you talked about a bunch of the storylines in this one. I think my favorite one in this one is Zach Wilkie. I think this is going to be a great opportunity for him going against one of the conference's best defenses last week in Troy. He's going to have a huge difference in this one. Arc State's one of the worst defenses in the conference. I think if you want him to play well in this conference as a freshman, 
as a quarterback leading your team on offense, this is a huge game for him that can maybe launch him into these next conference games coming up and give him some confidence and show that, hey, I do belong in the Sunbelt Conference. I'm a freshman, but I still can carry this offense and make some things work for this team. So their defense has been really consistent, which is big. But I think on the offensive side of the ball, if they can get Zach Wilkie going against this Arkansas State defense who's proven they can give it up points, that will be huge for their team, their program, and their morale, morale overall. I thought this was interesting when Coach Hall was asked about Zach Wilkie's performance. You know, he brought it all back to this kid is still a freshman. He hasn't. I mean, how many games has he started early on in his career? I thought it was interesting. And Coach Hall, who, you know, just got the job two years ago, he hearkened back to guys like Austin Davis, like Nick Mullins, who's currently a quarterback in the NFL. And he said those guys had to start their career very early on at this program. And he thinks that there is an, an arc here for Zach Wilkie over the next couple of years to really become an elite quarterback. But he he just said, we've got to give this kid a little bit of time. There's seasoning that has to take place. Yeah, and you talk about some of the, the banter you've had with some of the fan base, the fan uh, fans of Southern Miss. In this conference, there's not many freshman phenom quarterbacks that I've ever seen. It just doesn't work like that. These are kids who have to see the process, have to come in, oftentimes get redshirted, oftentimes get played in front of or have to play behind a, a quarterback that's more groomed more catered for the moment. I mean, you look at some of the quarterbacks in this conference, a lot of them have even come from other schools. The, the Chase Bryces have experience at three schools. The Tots and Tails have experience at three other schools. Carter Bradley is a transfer quarterback. These are seasoned quarterbacks that have seen a lot of football in their careers, and that's why those are the teams that we're looking at as the top teams in the conference. So I think if you're looking at you have the opportunity right now to grow, groom the next generation of a quarterback with Zach, with Zach Wilkie. If you can get him some of these snaps early, despite win, lose, or draw, the more football he plays, the better off he's going to be and the better off this offense is going to be. So I think going forward, looking for him to really establish himself in this game and this entire season, you might not love everything you see from him in the offense. I think they they definitely can help him out in a lot of other areas as well. But he's only going to get better from the season and playing. So I'm looking forward to the trajectory of him and seeing how far he can take it going forward. Here's a big area they can help him out at. Get the running game going again. And, you know, more frankly, get Frank Gore Jr. going again. Kane, I thought this was interesting. And my question here is, uh, you know, can Frank Gore have another late season charge? I dug into the stats last year. Last year at this time, Frank Gore had rushed for 381 yards. He ends that season with 801. And this is all, again, through six games. This year, he's at 360. Means that if he can follow last year's arc, he's got about 55 to 60% of his rushing yards to go. They've got some opponents that I think they could run the football against. Will we see a late season charge from Frank Gore, also known as the Superback? You have to hope so. I mean, you look at, like we talked about before, obviously, you have a freshman quarterback playing. A quarterback's best friend is that run game, and that just simply hasn't been a thing. And I think the fact that Zach Wilkie has won a game against Tulane without a run game is very promising. But you look at this team, they haven't really been able to get the running game going or get Frank Gore Jr. going since the first week of the season. I mean, you look at Troy last week, 48 yards on the ground, Tulane 59 yards on the ground. Miami, 24 yards on the ground, just awful. doesn't matter who you're playing. I don't care if you're playing an NFL team. That's that's just terrible. I'm not counting that Northwestern State game. That's a fluke. But I think there is a chance for Frank Gore to get better as the season goes. I think you look at running backs, like they talked about yesterday on the on the broadcast, Kalen Laybourne. They're saying he's the kind of back throughout the game that gets better the more touches he gets. I think Frank Gore last year proved that throughout the season, the more touches he gets, the better he gets. So I think you should look at the Southern Miss team to maybe try to switch things up as far as giving him some different looks. He's one of those shorter back, a smaller back. Try to get him laterally. Try, try to get him to make some guys miss. Set up some more exotic run schemes for him and let him really cook. Or as the season goes along, lean on your running game. Let him just find his way and find out where those holes are, where those cutbacks are, and find the, the best way for him to cook. Because right now, all, their running game is just not cooking. And I think that can be what holds them back in this matchup. If they do face some problems, it's going to be them not running the ball. 
I have to imagine the decider in this game is who takes better care of the football. And in that category, the advantage has to be with Arkansas State. They've turned the ball over just four times this season. Meanwhile, Southern Miss has turned it over 12 times, five fumbles, seven interceptions. They turned it over four times last week. Caden, I think whoever wins that turnover battle in what I think you and I think is going to be a very close game, so does Vegas, um, you know, that could really play a big role. No, it's going to be huge. And I think a lot of that has to do with how James Blackman's taking care of the football right now. Only one interception right now, which is huge. All the quarterbacks in the league and all of college football who've thrown for one interception right now are all playing great ball. And he's one of them right now. We've talked about how he's established himself. But I think along with the turnovers, it's going to come down to protecting the quarterback as well. I think he's been sacked 19 times this year. It's the second most in the conference. So I think if they can protect him, he might be able to take Arc State to another level they haven't even reached yet. They've only been able to score but so many points in these games, and he's only been able to put up so many touchdowns in these games because he is on his back so much. So I think both teams are going to have to take care of their business up front. I think UL, um, sorry, Southern Miss more in the run game and Arkansas State more in the pass game as far as protection and O-line play. Yeah, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head right there. Southern Miss comes in. They're fourth in the Sun Belt and with 18 sacks created this year. So I think James Blackman is going to be under pressure a lot of this game. Uh, we do know how good that Southern Miss defense is, and there might be a chance here for some interceptions. Um, you know, uh, Southern Miss, they've had four sacks in each of their last four games. Arkansas State's given up 16 sacks in their last three games. So I think you really nailed a spot that's going to be critical in this game. Can they protect? James Blackman in this contest well a lot of great games on the schedule we've still got to make our picks so let's move on and do that um Caden five games this week I think that despite some of the odds some of these games might end up being closer I think we've learned that over the first couple weeks of Sunbelt Conference play that a lot of these games are close right now making things a lot of fun uh let's start with our game of the week uh Georgia Southern and James Madison JMU comes in as a 12 point favorite over under sits at 67 in this game Caden how about you go first yeah with this one I just really I'm really conflicted I don't know if it's going to be that trap game narrative like we talked about and it stays close or we see more of the same old same old JMU I think I have to lean towards what I've seen from JMU so far I'm going with James Madison to win this one I do think they will cover the spread I think they win by two touchdowns in this one you got to hope that if you're Georgia Southern, you can take better care of the football. But I think if you look at JMU's defense, they've been playing so well. And I think it's going to genuinely be one of the better Georgia, one of the better defensive units that Georgia Southern is going to have to face this entire season. But I am going to take the under on the points. I think it's not going to be as high scoring of a fair for Georgia Southern as we're accustomed to seeing. I think JMU's defense is going to limit them a little bit more. And I think that's the reason why it doesn't get the points. JMU's been getting around 40 a game. But I think this time they do that and they also keep Georgia Southern a little bit more tied down. So give me James Madison to win, James Madison to cover, but I'm going to take the under on the points. I did want to give you a little bit of context before we move on to my pick. And by context, I want to talk about the game that took place on Wednesday night between Louisiana and Marshall. Uh, we went into that game. The herd were a 10 and a half point favorite over under was at 47 and a half. And Noah Freire went three Let him and know. Oh on his picks. He covered, he had the win and he also took the under game started the week off. Oh, and three. So that's an important <laughs> piece of context to mention there. Um, but I like a lot of what you're saying about this Georgia Southern James Madison game. Um, you know, this game is going to, you know, have two of the top scoring offenses in the Sun Belt. The two top scoring offenses facing off these two teams. If you combine their season totals, averaging about 81 points a game. So I feel like the over under at 67 feels like low hanging fruit in this one. So I'm going to take the over. Um, I do think this has the writings of a trap game for James Madison. But I also think that James Madison, with the way they're playing right now, uh, I think they're going to overcome that trap. I am going to take JMU to win. And a little bit of a shocker here, I am also going to take James Madison to cover in this one. I think they can win by more than 12 points. 
Uh, look for them to force some turnovers here, but I am taking James Madison to win and cover, also taking the over in this game. Coastal Carolina, Old Dominion. Coastal comes in 12-point favorite, over-under at 56. I made you go first, so I'll go first here. Um, Coastal had some scares this year. We mentioned the Gardner-Webb game. We mentioned the ULM game. Caden, I've got them getting another big scare here on national television against Old Dominion. I think Old Dominion is going to make this game closer than we think, but I'm not ready to say that Coastal's going down yet. They're 6-0 on the season. We've mentioned it multiple times. This group seems to find a way to win. I think the biggest thing for Coastal, they've got to stop letting teams get back into these ballgames. We've talked about their potential, you know, where that ceiling is, that cotton bowl at the end of the year. I need to see Coastal Carolina put their foot down and, you know, win a game big or, you know, not let a team get back into it. So I am going to take Coastal to win in this game. I am, though, going to take ODU to cover uh, the 12 points. I'm also going to take the under in this contest. Yeah, a lot of what you said, I think Coastal Carolina, we've talked about it through this episode and throughout the season, they obviously haven't been winning the way you'd quite like them to, but they have been doing the most important thing, which is winning. And this ODU team has proven, though, they can play in close games, they can play tight, and Coastal has proven that they're going to let everybody or just about anybody play tight in this one. So I'm going to take Coastal to win, and I think they do not cover, though. I think that Old Dominion does keep this one close. I think they're very good at keeping games close, especially if you look at early in the season against some of those Power 5 teams. But another reason I'm not taking them the win is just because their rushing, their rushing offense really concerns me. Only 71 yards per game, and they have the least amount of points in the conference right now in total with 108. So I'm actually going to take... I'm, ah, no, I'm actually... I'm, I'm going to fade myself. I'm not going to take the under on the points. I'm going to take the over. Coastal's been spotting just about everybody 20 points this year, and I think they're going to do that again in this one. So give me Coastal to win and the points to hit, but I don't think they cover. I think Old Dominion does get within 12 in this one. Hey, we've been asked before, like, do our picks change as the episode goes on? And I think that was a great that example <laughs> of, you know, your pick changing at the last second. I'm going to, you know, give you a buy one, get one free here. And I'm going to go first again between Troy and Texas State. Troy comes in a 16-point favorite. Over-under sits at 47. Texas State, a 19-point underdog a week ago. Caden, plug your ears against App State. But, um, you know... To me, the difference in this game is at the vet. There's a couple of these games that we've already talked about, Caden, that I think if they were in a different location, I might be picking differently. I actually did think about taking Texas State in this game. I think they're playing well. They're playing good football right now. Uh, Could this be a trap game for Troy after all of their success? Um, But I don't think that uh, Troy's going to make the same mistakes um, that we saw them make against App State and allow App State to win that game late. So I think Troy's going to win this game. Uh, I like them to win and cover. I am going to take the under at 47 because, you know, Texas State's been putting up about 20 points a game. Troy hasn't been putting up huge offensive numbers. uh, So give me the under. Yeah, like you said, I don't think I'm convinced enough from that Texas State win from last week, despite how great they did look. We're going to see going on throughout the season if that's more of an outlier for them or an expectation for them. But give me Troy to win this one. I do like Texas State to keep this one close, though. I think they ride some of that momentum that they had from last week, and 16 points is a lot. I think they can keep it within two touchdowns for this one, especially if they get off to a fast start, which I expect from them. And I'm going to take the under on the points as well. I think that Troy's defense has obviously proven they can keep some teams from scoring. And I think if... Texas State's allowed to hang around in this one, keep it a little bit low scoring on there. And as well, maybe the, we see multiple quarterbacks playing this one. Maybe one of the quarterbacks has the trouble getting it going. We talked about Texas State's defense being a pretty good group. I think the points might go under. So give me the under on the points. Give me Texas State to cover and give me Troy to win. I went first the last two times because I wanted to allow you to go first and talk about South Alabama versus ULM. South Alabama, 17 point favorite. 
Uh, over under sits at 51 and a half. Caden, how do you see this game going? I'm honored you let me talk about my boys first. And I'm just going to keep it sweet and short on this one, though. I like South Alabama to win. I like them to win big, and I like the points to go over. I think they come off of their bye week fresh, feeling good, trying to click on all cylinders like they weren't able to do against ULL. But I think against ULM, they're going to have an opportunity to do so. Another reason I'm taking the spread on this one and taking the points is because if you look at ULM right now, they're very much back and forth as far as the games they've played in. Close one with ULL. Blowout to Arkansas State, another close one to um, Coastal Carolina. I think this is going to be more of a, a blowout-ish game, and South Alabama has the potential to do that. So give me South Alabama to win. Give me them to cover and to give me the over on the points. I'm going with you on this one, too. I think the biggest thing is South Alabama. They clearly have last year's game in their mind, that 41-31 to 31 loss that kept them out of a bowl game. I think they'll get revenge in this game in a big way. Uh, for me, ULM, uh, all the success that they've had early on in the season has come at home. It's a tough place to play, but when they go on the road, they haven't looked as strong. Um, to me, they haven't proven that they can win on the road. Maybe that changes this weekend, but I don't think it does. Um, I will say ULM, they put up 20 points in three straight games. So having said all of that, I'm going to take USA to win. I'm also going to take them to cover. And because of ULM's ability to put up enough points and then you also couple that with South Alabama's strong offense I do think it's a pretty easy bet that we're going to hit the over on this one at 51 and a half so I think we very much agree on that last matchup Caden we saved the best matchup for last and I think one that maybe you and I disagree on here um Southern Miss comes in against Arkansas State couple quick nuggets here Southern Miss four and one against the spread this year Arkansas State five and one against the spread this year so I'm thinking this could be a really good game right now. Southern Miss, a four and a half point favorite in this contest. It's a 55 point over and under. Um, Caden, I'm just going to rip the Band-Aid off and go first. I, you know, told you earlier on in this episode, if you were listening, that, you know, for the first time this year, I'm going to take Southern Miss in this game. And I feel like this game has a chance at being decided by less than a field goal. Um, you know, Southern Miss has been, you know, interesting this year but uh I think they have a good shot at winning this game so I am going to go off the rails here a little bit on the four and a half and I actually think this game will be decided by a field goal so give me Southern Miss to win give me a state to cover and I'm going to take the under good for you I think the Southern Miss fans will finally have you in your good graces which is great for the pod but I think I'm gonna switch it up on this one I look at Arc State as a team they only have two wins this year and I think they are going to grab a couple more and if you look at the rest of their schedule it's going to be hard for them to grab them but I think this is going to be a good opportunity to grab one and I'm going to push this kind of narrative a little bit. I don't know, it might be reaching a little bit, but this might be a must-win game for Arkansas State. You look at what they've done against some of the new teams that have joined this conference, lost to ULL, or sorry, lost to James Madison, lost to Old Dominion. It's the last new team they play in the conference, and I would, I know they would hate to just get swept by all the new competition that comes to this conference. So give me Arkansas State to win this one. I also have the more experienced quarterback in this battle. So give me them to win, give me them to cover. But I do think it's going to be a little bit of a shootout, so give me them on the points. I think Arkansas State... If I had to pick them at any time of this year, I think this is one of the better times to pick them. So that might not be the best reason to be taking them for this one. But I do think this is one of their more winnable games in the schedule. And feeling a little bit frisky. I know on the pod and off the pod, you tell me I don't take enough risks. So here's my risk for the week. Give me Arc State to win. Give me them, like I said, on the over for the points and give me them to cover. The only reason I didn't take Arkansas State in this game is because I have taken them multiple times and they always let me down. So I'm going to have to change it up here and go with Southern Miss. But, okay, and this was a great episode. I'm going to let you close it out. I know we had a lot of fun. The last couple of weeks of Sunbelt play have been sneaky good. Uh, I also wanted to just from you know my perspective, I know from yours as well, wanted to say a quick word of thanks to all of our listeners for all the love you've shown the podcast. We're seeing great numbers over the last couple of weeks, and it makes our job so much enjoyable to sit down and do these episodes. But, Caden, 
why don't you take us off air? Yeah, we'll see if the Arkansas State win or the Arkansas State game does me the same way in this one. Hopefully they pull it out. But as always, just to echo with Noah said, thank you guys so much for giving us another listen. We've had a great week and a great past couple months with this journey and seeing this podcast grow and seeing more and more listeners and more of you guys giving us some love on social media, giving us your attention and your ears week in and week out. So we obviously appreciate y'all as always. If you haven't followed us already on Twitter, give us a follow at Ferry and Smith. We re- really appreciate some of the engagement we've seen from you guys replying to us, maybe critiquing some of our takes a little bit and having some banter with us. We always love that. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, whatever you listen to it on, we really appreciate the listens, the rates, the reviews. Give us a like. And as always, have a great weekend of watching football. We're excited about this week of Sunball action. We know you are too. And we'll see you in our next episode.